Our Old Testament reading this morning is found in Isaiah 29, verses 13 through 24. Isaiah 29, verses 13 through 24. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. It is not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord and the poor among mankind shall exalt and the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale, For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding. And those who murmur will accept instruction. Those words, of course, well-known words, especially at the beginning of that passage. This people honors me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. Uh, The Lord condemning his people's hypocrisy but also promising them a day when one will come who will save them from their hypocrisy, give them new hearts that match the confession and the praise of their lips. Let's turn now to Matthew 6, 1-18, where this is the very principle that our Lord Jesus is teaching on. Matthew 6, 1-18. Uh, if you're following along in the New King James, this is the ESV today. Uh, it's not a change we're permanently making, but this is just for this particular chapter. There's a, there's a couple distinct translation matters that I think uh, make the ESV a better choice. Um, if you'd like to talk more about that, I'm happy to after. Um, but so Matthew 6, 1 to 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Thus ends the reading of God's holy, infallible Word. Let's pray together. Lord, sweeter than honey, sweeter than the honeycomb, are your words to us. More precious than gold, much fine gold, is your word to us. Here is life. Here is all we need to know about who you are and who we are and what you've called us to do and called us to believe in the way of salvation. Here you expose our hearts, but you also put on display our glorious Savior. So we pray that once again, O Holy Spirit, you take this wonderful word and, and, and bring conviction and uh, conviction of sin, bring us, bring us under the correction from our Lord Jesus and strengthen our faith in Him and our joy in Him and our, and, our, and our resolve for new obedience to You, our Heavenly Father. This we pray for our Savior's sake. Amen. Who's your audience? Who are, we, who are you doing it all for? That's Jesus' concern as he, as he begins this section of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, who, who is it that you're living to please, right? We're all, we're all trying to please somebody. Um, maybe, maybe it's other people. You're driven by a strong desire to please others, perhaps your husband or your wife, your children or your parents, uh, perhaps your friends at school, right? You want them to think you're cool or you're nice or you're whatever, um, right? We, we have this strong desire, please your coworkers. You want them to approve of you. In some regards, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. To want others to, 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 to be pleased with you, to be agreeable to them. But is that your deepest heart motivation? Maybe you don't care what other people think, at least you tell yourself you don't, and, and, but you really care about what you think of yourself. Right? Who, who, do I approve of myself? Am I pleased with myself? Am I the kind of man, the kind of woman that I want to be? Right? And it's all about pleasing yourself. And it's your own idea of you have of, of what makes you feel proud of who you are and what you've been able to accomplish. Right? Bo- both those things, not, there's, there's a grain of truth to the fact in which we should you know, be pleased with the work we do and have others pleased with us as well, but both of those things so quickly and so often become our dominating drives. And both of them are hypocritical. 
They're idolatrous. Jesus says, you must live for one thing. Not pleasing others, not pleasing yourself, but pleasing your Father, your Heavenly Father. He gives three specific commands in these verses that we're looking at this morning. He's, he's commanding us to practice righteousness in three very specific ways. He talks about giving to the poor. He talks about praying. and He talks about fasting. Um, and, and those are very specific things he's telling us to do. But his focus in them isn't so much on the command to do it, but the manner of your heart as you do it and the motive uh, that, that drives you in, in these things, in these in, in these. Uh, in these commands that he gives. And we've seen over the past few weeks, his, his attention has been on our hearts. This is how he applies the law. He, he drives it all the way in, right? He, doesn't, he takes the sword of the word. He doesn't stop, right? He drives it all the way into our hearts with it. Because he wants obedience to the Lord from the heart. And he's continuing with that same thing, isn't he, here in chapter 6. You can't just give to the poor and pray and fast outwardly. But your heart has to be in it as an act of worship to your heavenly Father. This is the motive that he tells us we need, right? God alone is your audience. God alone is the one that you're living for and the one whose approval you're seeking and whose delight you're seeking as you obey. It is a constant temptation, loved ones. Um, it, we, we look through Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the people of the Jews of Jesus' day. We see it in our own, you know, in, our, in ourselves, right? This temptation to let our worship and our religion be just an outward thing without our hearts in it. Now, we read this in Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. This people draw near with their mouth. They honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. That's what happens when you have your audience, someone else, or your own heart rather than the Lord. But as Jesus is teaching this lesson, he's not just repeating the Old Testament's teaching on it. He's doing something new. He's he's developing it. He's not making a break with the Old Testament uh, teaching about living to please your covenant Lord and God, but he's he's developing it and he's bringing out some richness that we've never seen before in, in all of Scripture. He's doing something really remarkable in chapter 6 here. Um, he, he's not just saying practice righteousness for, for God's sake. But he says practice righteousness for your Father's sake. Now, I want you to appreciate the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the dramatic newness of that as, as Jesus speaks those words. The Old, the Old Testament refers to God as Father only a handful of times. There's just a few um, we see uh, Psalm 103, um, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But the primary name for God in the Old Testament is not father. But then Jesus comes, and this is the name he uses for God, right? more, more than any other. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount itself, he calls God father some 20 times. Right, so, so in these three chapters in Matthew, Jesus calls God Father about twice as many times as he's called Father in all 39 books of the Old Testament. So, something new is happening, isn't it? Right? Not, not a break with the old, but, a, but a, a new development is coming out. Something fresh is being brought out here. And, and Jesus is pressing this home to us. Don't just live with God as your audience, but your heavenly Father as your audience. What does that word mean to you? What does it bring to mind? A father. I hope it brings to mind to you someone who is a good provider, protector, someone who's been someone who is gentle, um, 
consistent, firm, reliable, dependable, loving, kind, gracious, patient, compassionate, right? All those things. I realize that for many, many, there may not be those associations with that word father. Um, it could be easy to take our own experience of what, our, of what our father was with the good and the bad and then read that onto the fatherhood of God for us. What does the Bible say about who the father is? Well, it means for us that um, when Jesus says God is your Father, He means that everything that God is, right, um, all His power, all His might, all, all, all His holiness and righteousness and justice and goodness and mercy and truth, all of it, He is not just as a distant God or not just as a, not just as a sovereign King, but as a Father, right, with that, with that familial love and care and concern and tender compassion for each of His children. And Jesus wants this to be the first name that springs to our lips when we, when we think about God. Father. The one who loves me and cares for me, provides for me, protects me, watches over me always. Father. Right, this, is, this is crucial to, to understanding Jesus' uh, commands to us not to be hypocritical in our worship and in our, in our religion and our righteousness. Um, if, 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 if you don't think about this way of God, then you're not going to have the right kind of motivation for giving, praying, and fasting. Right? If you don't see God as your father, but you see him as a, as, a, as a slave driver, then you're just obeying him outwardly out of, out, of, out of a slavish, terrified fear rather than a reverential love. Right? You're not going to be obeying the command that Jesus gives here if you don't understand that he's your father, not a slave master. Or if you see if you see God more as a more as a, a tight-fisted boss who doesn't really want to give you that paycheck and, and you're working hard to earn it, and then then your obedience isn't going to be one of a loving heart, but it's going to be begrudging. It's going to be one of mercenary self-interest rather than a desire to really please Him. See, Jesus is saying to please Him, you have to understand He's your Father who loves you, and is gracious towards you compassionate towards you. That you're not slaving away to earn His favor. He's as, as your Father, He already loves you before you do anything. So respond to that with a desire to please Him. So this is the drumbeat of this section of the sermon here, of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Live for this loving and gracious Heavenly Father. Live to be seen by Him. Live to please Him. Live out of uh, out of a sense of all His love for you and your love in response to Him and the reward that He alone can give you. Loved ones, all our righteousness and everything that we're striving to do is, uh, is a waste of time. It's hypocrisy. It's a mask that we're wearing if it's not done with this kind of heart. No other motive matters. All right. Jesus gives us these three commands, as we said, and He addresses each of these each of these things, um, looking at the issues of what our, uh, what our motives are. He takes these three things, um, giving, praying, and fasting. And he, he drills down into each of them to test and correct our motives. And so with each one, he says, are you doing it for your Father in heaven? So let's work through, let's work through these three things, giving, and then praying, and then fasting uh, together. Uh, the first thing we see here, Jesus says, give. For the Father's sake. This is verses 2 to 4. He says, give for the Father's sake. 
Now, uh, Jesus takes it for granted that we're going to be giving. It's not an outright command. He says, when you give. So he assumes that you're giving to the poor. This was uh, basic religious practice for the Jews, and Jesus accepts it. He applies it to us as well. It's by saying, when you give to the needy. Right? Poverty is rampant in his day, and uh, it was expected that you would give, you'd contribute to your local synagogue in order to help the poor. And it was the job of the people of God to care for the poor. Um, it's written into the fabric of the Old Testament law. It reflects God's care for the poor, and Jesus expects this. Right? Not as something extra and extraordinary for super disciples, but just ordinary Christian life. You're giving to the poor as much as you are able So Jesus challenges us to do this, uh, to give, right? Um, What's his focus? His focus is not just on the giving, but on on, on where our hearts are when we give to the poor. uh, In verse 2, he he brings out what really is kind of a striking and funny example. He says, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do. Commentators, they read this verse and is, uh, they, they, they go back and forth trying to, trying to figure out, is Jesus, is he picking up on a historical practice here? Because it's really hard to find a record of, of this going on, that people would go into, the, go into the synagogue and sound a trumpet before they give. Uh, there, there's some people say that um, when it was time for the offering, there might have been a trumpet sounded, oh, now that's the signal, now we all go give. That doesn't really fit quite what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about someone who, who as it were, stands up, puts a trumpet to their lips, blows it, so they get everyone's attention, and then they put their offering in, right? Everyone watching. Look at what I'm doing. Right? And I think Jesus is, is, is making a, right, he, he, he's uh, painting a funny picture of, right, not something that's literally happening, but, but the, the kind of attitude and demeanor that these uh, hypocrites have, right? That, that they're, they're announcing themselves by their posture, by their words, whatever it is, right? Their attitude, everything about them is like a trumpet going off saying, admire my piety. As I give. He's saying some people give like this. They blow a trumpet to announce themselves and show off how righteous they are and how much they're giving. Now, these people are desperate, aren't they? For others to notice their righteousness and their generosity and to admire them for it. This is what they're living for. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites. Um... That word, as you probably know, originally comes from the Greek for an actor, an actor who would wear a mask. So what you see on the outside isn't what you get on the inside. Jesus is saying it's all a show. There's no real worship for God, no real compassion for the poor. It's just a show. It's all about themselves and their own self-interest. It's all about their own reputation. Loved ones, we're not blowing trumpets when the offerings pass. But don't we have the same temptation? Right? to wish that people knew what we were doing and what we were giving so that they would admire us and respect us a little more. To, to notice that we tithe faithfully or that we give to this charity or that charity. Maybe you don't, actually. But maybe there's another issue which Jesus then addresses. Right? Uh, maybe we, we, uh, we want to feel good about ourselves forgiving what we do, right? Maybe say, well, I don't want others to approve what I give, but it really makes me feel good to give. It makes, it makes me feel proud of myself for giving to that charity. And even might make me feel proud that I'm not doing it ostentatiously, right? Now, I'm not the kind of person who gives so that others will notice. I, I, don't, I don't do that, right? And then you can even take pride in that, 
Right? And so your, your motive for giving is not to please others, but it's not to please the Lord. It's just to please your own pride and sense of, of yourself. And Jesus says, verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right? How, how is that even possible? But, but Jesus is saying, don't think highly of yourself. Don't pat yourself on the back for your giving. Don't give for your own sense of, of, of self-righteousness. Give generously, he says. Give. Give more than you can to the poor to support and encourage them. But don't start thinking you're really wonderful for doing it. Do it for your Father. Verse 4. Give in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Right? That's what he wants our motive to be. Right? I'm doing this to please my Heavenly Father. Because I know that it delights Him to care for the poor. And, and, and it's because I know that his delight is to do that, and because he's shown me such love, who was so poor, I'm going to give too, because I love him. Right? That, that's, that's what is supposed to fill our hearts, loved ones. As we, as, as we, as we give, as we uh, support the deacons and their mercy ministry to the poor, um, as we give to various charities, whatever it is, keep on doing it. Pray that you'd have uh, wisdom to know how to do it well and wisely and steward your resources in that way. But keep on doing it, not for your own sakes or others' sakes, but for the, your heavenly Father's sake. It delights Him when we give for His sake. It's not so much the amount but that our hearts are, are full of worship for Him as we give. So give and give for the Father's sake. Second thing Jesus addresses is praying. I should say here, we're not going to go through every detail of this section here in prayer. Jesus is, uh, he speaks at length here about prayer, more than he does giving or fasting. Next Lord's Day, we're going to take out the section on the Lord's Prayer and, and have a sermon just focused on that. Today, we're doing more of a, an overview of this whole section. Um, but, uh, so that'll, that'll be saved more in detail for next Lord's Day. But let's look here at what Jesus says regarding prayer for the Father's sake. Second spiritual discipline Jesus sets his sight on is prayer. And again, he, he assumes we're doing this, doesn't he? He doesn't say, make sure you're praying, and then as you pray, do this. He says, when you pray. He assumes this is what disciples do. This is what citizens of the heavenly kingdom do. They give, they also pray. Frequently. Disciplined. Prayer. That's a mark of the ordinary Christian life. Loved ones, we are so prayerless sometimes. So often. We don't pray enough on our own. We don't pray enough in our families, in our marriages, in our church. We need to grow in this. We need to give ourselves to the work of prayer. This is what Jesus expects of us. But again, his focus here is on our hearts as we do this, the way in which we pray. Again, he directs his sights on the hypocrites first, right? Uh, calling, calling out our hypocrisy, um, our, our religious acting, the masquerade ball we're in. Verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But does Jesus mean here uh, that we shouldn't pray in public? We shouldn't pray with others. Shouldn't go to prayer meetings. Shouldn't pray in church. Go and pray on your own in your own prayer closet. 
There's a time um, I was serving for a summer at an evangelistic ministry in New Jersey, and we would go out on the boardwalk uh, there in Wildwood, and uh, we'd be sharing the gospel with people, try to pray with people. Uh, usually, even if someone uh, was resistant to the gospel, they were happy to have you pray with them. But I remember one lady uh, said, you're not supposed to pray with me. And she refused to let us pray with her. Um, we said, well, we'll go back to the, uh, to, the, to the ministry house. We'll pray for you there. Um, but uh, she said, no, Jesus says, don't pray in, uh, in public. Uh, go, go pray in your prayer closet. Is that what Jesus means? Well, no, of course not. We see in uh, the scriptures themselves, Jesus himself prays in public. He prays in such a way that his disciples, his disciples notice and hear, and, and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray like you pray. Uh, he, prays, he prays for his disciples. And then we see the early church, right, filled with his spirit, a prayerful church. And we don't read much record of them praying in their prayer closets, but much of them praying together as a church body, gathering to, to, to pray together. So Jesus isn't saying don't pray publicly. But he's addressing the hypocrisy that so often attends praying publicly. It seems like some people in his day were making a, a big point of, of their prayers in the synagogues, right? Um, they're praying to impress others. Uh, their prayer is not really directed to God. It's really directed just horizontally. He mentions those who pray in the synagogues, also those who pray in the, on the street corners. Um, there are set times of prayer, and um, it seems like uh, that uh, some people perhaps are kind of arranging their schedule so they just happen to be on the busiest corner of you know, this and that street so that, oh, look at that, happen to be here, time to pray. Everyone's going to notice um, how religious and faithful I am. Um, and the whole time, all this prayer is just a show, isn't it? It's just an act. God's not hearing it. Um, it's, just, uh, it's just for themselves. It's just for others. Admire how religious I am, how spiritual I am. Admire how mature I am in my faith. Um, admire my tone of voice, the words I use, how sincere I might sound. A lot of times we do this too. Um, we think about our prayers. We might worry about our prayers. How's it going to sound? Right? This might make us want to pray more so that others are impressed with just how, how well we know Scripture or, or how, how well we pray. Or, or it might make us shy to pray. Well, what would they think? What will they think of my prayers? Jesus says, either way, it's, uh, you know, this is the hypocrisy of caring about what others think rather than caring about what the Father thinks. So he says, go pray in secret. Go, go learn to pray all by yourself where there's no one else around to hear except your Heavenly Father. Go give yourself to that private, secluded, one-on-one -on -one prayer with your Father uh, so that you learn to pray with your eyes on Him and your heart fixed on Him. That's, that's where you learn to, to then go pray uh, with others. Um, so, that, so that you're praying with your heart fixed on Him. And Jesus says, go, go pray. Go pray in secret. Um, um, right, and we said he's not forbidding praying with others, and he, we should encourage praying with others. But he's saying, learn to pray with your heavenly Father, and have your heart fixed on Him alone. It's a glorious thing, isn't it? That He is listening to us. The Father listens to you when you're all by yourself in your closet, on your knees, praying to Him. His ear is open to you. As a as a father to a child, He delights to listen to you. It's a wonderful motivation, isn't it? You have an open door to the Father's throne room. And it's not just 
the throne room of some distant king, but it's, it's your own house. You live in his house. And you have an open door to his presence. Right? What child doesn't love getting, getting daddy to himself all for a little while? Right? And that's what we get. We, we go to the Father and we have all his attention and all his delight as we, as we speak to him and pour out our hearts to him and, and lift up our requests to him. Right? So that, that's, what our, that, that's what should uh, fill our hearts as we come to prayer. I want to please the Father. Now, at this point in the argument, uh, Jesus doesn't move on to the next thing yet, fasting. First, he, he wants to spend a little more time in prayer. And as I said, we're going to look more in detail at the Lord's Prayer next Lord's Day. But, but for now, um, and the, as Jesus moves on, he, he says another thing to his disciples here, to us. He says, don't forget that as you pray to the Father, he is, uh, he is your Father, um, Right, verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be, like, they'll, they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus, continuing on to teach about how we approach God as a Father in prayer, He's saying, the Gentiles don't get this because their God is not their Father. Um, They've got to jump through hoops to pray. Uh, they, they have to heap up empty phrases to pray. They have to sound impressive to pray. Right? You can think of the prophets of Baal in that episode in the Old Testament uh, with Elijah, uh, where, where, where the prophets of Baal are, 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 are running, running in circles and, and, and crying out and, and doing everything they can, cutting themselves, all these things to try to get Baal's attention somehow, some way. That's, that's, the, that, that, that's a way to pray that doesn't know that God is, God is your Father. When you don't have the Lord as... As your father, that's how you pray. Jesus is saying, his ear is turned towards you. Don't heap up all those empty phrases. Just pray simply, pray honestly, pray his word. He's right? not saying don't pray long prayers. Um, but, he, but he's saying, don't, don't pray empty, meaningless things. And don't pray in such a way that you think you're trying to earn or win his favor by your prayer. He knows what we need before we ask. Uh, and he's ready to meet our needs. And he's inviting us to go and bring those things to him because he delights to hear us. So pray for the Father's sake. The third spiritual discipline Jesus brings up is fasting. And again, same thing he did with giving to the poor, same thing he did with prayer, he now does with fasting. He assumes, takes it for granted, that we're going to be doing this. Uh, that, that those uh, who are faithful disciples are going to be doing this, he says, when you fast. He's not talking about the super disciples. He's talking about the ordinary ones. Um, now, in the, old, in the Old Testament, there are, uh, there are certain fasts that were set in place, right? The Day of Atonement, the Old Testament, it's not for the, the, the top, uh, the overachieving people of God. It's for everybody. You fast on this day. Uh, this is what the Lord commands. There's other instances in the Old Testament where the people were called to fast, um, for a particular sin that needed, they needed to confess and, and seek repentance. Um, there are individuals we see fasting in the Old Testament. By the time you get to the New Testament period, where, where Jesus is uh, alive in his earthly ministry, uh, the Jews had a practice of fasting twice a week. Um, and we learned from an early church document called the Didache uh, that uh, they, they fasted on uh, uh, Mondays and, and Thursdays. Um, Jesus doesn't comment on, on any of this beyond saying, when you fast, right? Um, he says, when you fast, expecting that we're going to be doing it. 
Interestingly, that early church document from the, from the first century, the Didache, um, says, well, don't fast like the hypocrites do on Mondays and Thursdays. We fast on, on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. So for what that's worth. Uh, that's, that's the practice, at least for some Christians in the early church. But, but Jesus', Jesus point is, he expects us to fast. Um, that's, a, that's a challenge to us, isn't it? Right? This, is, this is expected of, of ordinary disciples in his, in his church, that, that, we, that, we, that we make this a practice. Do you do this? Once a, once a month, once a week, one meal, once in a while? Right? particular occasion comes up that needs uh, concentrated prayer? And, 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 and uh, do you say, well, I'm going I'm to skip lunch today and I'm going to take that time to pray and, and seek the Lord's favor and grace? Or, or there's a particular sin and, I, and, I, and I, I'm going I'm to pray and confess that sin and I'm going I'm to fast. Uh, or there's a particular issue going on in our country or our world or our church. I'm going to fast. We should be doing this. But again, Jesus' point. Not so much here on that we should. He expects us to. But how we do it. How should we fast? And again, he, he points out that some people are doing it all wrong, right? Um, some people apparently in his day would, on the days that they're fasting, I guess this would be Monday and Thursday, right? They, uh, they, they, they wouldn't wash their faces. They wouldn't anoint themselves with oil. Um, and that seems to have been a practice for them, right? Uh, they didn't get a shower. They didn't shave. Didn't put on aftershave. Didn't, you know, didn't tuck in their shirt. They, look, they looked a mess those days, All right? And, and the point is, oh, I'm fasting today. Right? And, and I have this, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I look very spiritual because of how, how, how morose I appear. Right? And maybe they're posting about it on, on social media. Right? Notice, notice how, how seriously I take my sin. Right? Right, that kind of attitude. Notice how serious I am about my faith. Jesus is saying, that is not how we fast. Right? That, 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 is, that is, if you're fasting like this to make others think that you're some uh, a super saint, then it's, that's all the reward you're going to get. That's where it's going to end. Your father is paying no attention to that because you're not doing it for him. No real humility under in that kind of fasting. right? That's, that's just pride masquerading as humility. No real love for the father. That's just, that's just self-righteousness. Not love. So he says, fast. But when you fast, don't go around talking about it. Go to telling people about it. Wash your face. Comb your hair. Tuck in your shirt. Go about your day. Keep a happy face on. Right? Don't, 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 don't try to show off your, your, great, uh, your great humility. Uh, right, right. Bow before the Father. Humble yourself before God. Right? This, this kind of hypocritical fasting is the antithesis of what fasting should be. It's really puffing yourself up. Instead of laying yourself in the dust before the Father. So don't go around in your fasting and make a show of humility. It's not for anyone else to see. You're doing it for the Father. Loved ones, this is how Jesus commands us to give, pray, and fast. We've got to be doing those things, giving to the poor, praying and fasting, if we're going to be faithful disciples to Him. But in those things, how does he want us motivated? Love for the Father. Love for him. And so four times in this passage, Jesus promises a reward for the obedience that we will give. Three, to- three times in, in the text, he says, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He, he's encouraging us. 
He's encouraging you. He's saying your father notices. He's not a father who, who, who never notices when his son comes up and says, Daddy, Daddy, look at this, look at this. Right? He, he's a father who sees and who notices everything. He sees in secret, right? When you're, when you're obeying him faithfully and no one else sees, he sees. Isn't that a precious encouragement, loved ones? There's, there's no act of obedience or faithfulness which the father doesn't notice and which he won't reward. Right? Sometimes, right, I do all this, I, I, I'm serving, uh, and it doesn't seem to be paying off. And who's noticing, right? The Lord, if it's true, faithful obedience for his sake, yes, he notices. He sees. What's the reward? We haven't asked this question yet. Jesus mentions this reward from the Father four times in the passage that we just looked at in these three things. Um, what's the reward he's promising us here? Well, if we look at the context a little bit, it can help us. Um, back, back in chapter 5, which is a little while ago, but chapter 5, verse 12, Jesus promises that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake will have a great reward in heaven. So that, that seems to be partly in view. The reward Jesus has been talking about throughout this sermon, I think, is something to do with the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that's what the main theme of his sermon is, this, this kingdom. So, so this reward has something to do with that. But what particularly? Well, we've seen, in, in, as we've looked at these things, right, that um, here, here in chapter 6, the, what, what reward do the hypocrites get for, for, for seeking approval of others and themselves? Right? They're, they're trying to get the, the, the attaboy, the approval, uh, uh, the, the welcome, and perhaps the love of others. Um, in contrast, then, well, what, what do the righteous who live to please the Father receive? Well, they receive exactly that. The, the, the pleasure of the Father in them. His love for them. His delight in them. And, and His welcome into His kingdom. He says, come into my kingdom and enjoy, uh, enjoy, enjoy fellowship with me here in the kingdom. We read about this in Matthew 25. Um, Matthew 25, uh, Jesus is telling a parable there and um, it's about this servant who's faithful and the Father says to the servant who is faithful in Matthew 5, 25, 23, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Right? And, and we could change the language slightly to, to, I think, bring out the meaning that Jesus has in mind when he talks about the reward we have from the Father. Right? Enter into your Father's joy. Enter into the reward from your Father. Come into my kingdom and, and enjoy f- fellowship with me, your relationship with me. This is the wonderful reward Jesus is holding out to us. This sweet relationship with the Father. But if you, if you pursue righteousness with your heart set on Him, right, not, not trying to earn Him, uh, earn, earn, but, but out of gratitude to, for His love, then He will delight in you and rejoice over you and welcome you into His kingdom. But wait a minute. Can He really reward me? I didn't, I, I, I'm not earning an ounce of His favor. As he calls out the hypocrites, he's calling out my heart, right? He's calling out your heart. How often have you prayed with your heart fully set on him as opposed to the approval of others, right? How often have you given or or, or done any act of righteousness just so others will see? And not for him, right? So so we're all guilty. We, We shouldn't get a reward. What kind of reward is this? 
who, who, who can really achieve this and get this. And loved ones, this should drive us to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? As he preaches this sermon, he is the Son over whom the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is the one who in his, in his giving of himself and his praying, right, and, ever, and all his righteousness is doing it for the Father. He says, it's, it's my food and drink to do my Father's will. Right? His eyes are constantly on his Father. And so that's, that's what our hope is in for this reward of the Father's favor and the Father's love. It's, it's that Jesus was such a faithful Son who loved His Father so perfectly that, that, that through Him, you and I can become sons and actually receive the reward that only He earned. And God takes that reward that Jesus earned and He graciously gives it to His children. And He clothes us with our older brother's righteousness. He gives us our older brother's reward. He gives us the same welcome and the same love and the same uh, delight that He gives His Son, our Lord Jesus. And so what do we do? Well, we rejoice in that. We receive that. We trust in Christ for that. We accept it. We thank the Father for it. And then we seek with all our heart by His grace to grow in obedience to Him. Right? Not just receiving the reward that our elder brother earned, but also learning to walk and live as our elder brother lived. Hearts on, set, on, set on our Father who loves us. So, loved ones, give to the poor. Pray and fast with your heart set on this, your loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would be at work in us by your Spirit. Take these things which we have heard. Take this seed of your word which has been sown and plant it deep in our hearts. And, and water it and tend it. And don't let it get choked out with weeds and, and, and the cares and concerns of this world or difficulty. Uh, but let it take root and, and put down deep roots and, and, and grow and bear much fruit. For your glory, this we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.